This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Start your journey to becoming a great developer at learn.thoughtbot.com. And so it was Paul and Amo bringing you out for a good time in Dublin. So we wanted to see if we could do a conference that was like just going out having the crack with Paul and Amo. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. It is Wednesday, August 7th. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I'm here today with Paul Campbell. How's it going, Paul? Hi, Ben. Uh, so you're a guy that seems like you're kind of doing a lot of things. Uh, I was researching you for this and I found your event software, mm-hmm. Tido or Tito? It, originally in my mind, it was Tido. And then by group consensus, it quickly became Tito. Okay. So it's Tito.io, which is a uh, software for people that run events. It looks like, and want to charge for tickets and all that. It looks like you have an app called Ketchup that maybe you used to work on. Uh, it's still there. It's still running. It's uh, we haven't touched it, and I just keep it going and make sure the server stays up. In fact, I was thinking of just uh, pushing that to a cheaper server lately. So uh, yeah, it kind of sits there. And you're also a conference organizer. Yes, that's how Tito came about through the conference organizing. Where do you spend your time these days? What does your average day look like? Uh, most of the time, it's working on Tito right now. I've been feeling more and more that it's sort of just like this has been the birthing period of Tito trying to get it into the world and it's been really hard work um so i've been mostly spending all my time on tito taking little breaks here and there um but yeah it's it's it, it's i'm sort of obsessed with tito lately are you the the main developer on that a main developer um there's currently kind of between four and five working on it as well um it's myself doing kind of the main development stuff a chap called david parsons um, doing the design stuff, and then uh, there's two Killians, in fact, working on it. And then we have another chap who's contributed quite a bit called uh, Paddy O'Hanlon. So all, all very Irish names. <laughs> yeah, you're an Irishman yourself, right? I am, yeah. I'm in Dublin right now. You said that Tito kind of came out of your own needs as a conference organizer. Absolutely, yeah. Isn't, isn't that the best? Well, what happened was um, I was running a conference called FunConf um, with my friend Eamon Leonard, um, and we we had run it successfully the f- uh, for the first year, um, but I've I kind of found the process of managing the ticket sales and kind of buying tickets just a little bit hokey, just for my to my own taste. I didn't I didn't fancy it. What I really wanted at the point was just you're on the FunConf site, you never see the ticket software, and then you have a ticket, right? So you're on the FunConf site, you go to PayPal because we were using PayPal, and then you come back and you're still on the FunConf site. So that's all I wanted. So uh, we had been we had some PayPal code lying around as you do um, from a previous project that we'd worked on, and I built a little API, um, threw it together. So it was a little API endpoint that took the order, redirected the customer to PayPal, and then sent them back to a URL. And then there was just like three API calls, um, and that's all it was. It was just like a dead simple API only event registration software, and the the line went something like. Uh, yeah, I'll just do it in a weekend. And then it was ready a month later. So mm-hmm. Eamon gives me a lot of grief over that every so often, but he's also one of our biggest supporters. So <laughs> so how is uh, how's that been going as a business? Pretty good. It's, it's, it's way, way harder than I ever would have hoped or thought. And all, anytime I'm optimistic, I'm generally over-optimistic. And then gen- anytime I'm kind of pessimistic, it always seems to give more than I expect. So it's 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 one of those things. Um, it's been really really slow burning, but when people love it, they really love it. Um, uh, we just kind of 
open soft launched our our uh, kind of open access that anybody can sign up and kind of customers as in paying customers are trickling through and um we're just launching a blog post today in fact it's like it's literally ready to go live it may actually go live during this recording um for our founding customer program so this was an idea we had to sort of kickstart style bootstrap um the business in a little way where people could come along and pay five thousand euros um as a kind of like a founding customer so we called it our founding customer program and then the idea was just to raise a little bit of cash to keep things ticking over as we were kind of pushing toward the final launch um and we just sold our last one last week Mm -hmm. so that was really cool so we put 12 on sale um, and again it came in slowly we were expecting like people to be lining up the doors wanting to get this amazing deal like for the deal was you get like your logo on the home page we're going to have like our founding customers page and that'll just be a page on the site that'll stick around forever um we're going to write a blog post and we're going to do profiles but then the deal was that you get a year free um so if you run lots of events it's a huge saving and then we're going to give you like a really good rate for the the lifetime of the software so People weren't exactly uh, falling all over themselves to get access, but some people were really interested. And when the when the right kind of customer came along, um, it was a really quick decision. So we sold the last seat there last week to uh, Cascadia JS, the JavaScript conference in the Pacific Northwest. So that was really exciting to to finally close that off because it sort of looked it felt like a milestone that this was our kind of founding customers program, and we actually have twelve people and businesses that are willing to to invest in the software in that little small way so that was really gratifying one of my questions for you was uh, who the customers are for this and as to whether or not they are uh, typically one-off people that have just one event or if they do many events but it sounds like at least these people are doing probably many events uh, it tends um it really depends like the, the top of the list is a chap called paddy cosgrave who is he's kind of all up in the irish scene he built a conference called the Dublin Web Summit from basically nothing to this kind of what's going to be f- five, six, seven thousand people this year. Um, so, like, hats off to that. It's, it's not exactly it's not exactly a developer conference in the kind of sense of uh, the RubyConf and the JavaScript conference that I kind of come to know, like this small, intimate hundred or three hundred people conferences, but. Uh, it's an absolutely magnificent achievement. So he was kind of the first to come along and, and kind of give us support. Um, and he runs this web summit, which is a big thousands and thousands of people thing. And he runs kind of a more boutique conference called founders as well, which is, uh, it's quite, uh, it's quite famous. It gets a lot of press in, uh, in kind of the, uh, startup circles. And then uh, one of the first people to use it for a, kind of a big known conference was Chris Williams. And Chris runs JSConf, of course, but like he's sort of known as the modern godfather of the, the experience-led conference, the conference that really puts people first. Um, and if you look at kind of his JSConf, mm. JSConf family of website of conferences, there's just tons and tons. And he's creating he's created RobotsConf this year. And he's basically just inspired a whole community of worldwide conference organizers to do things just that little bit differently, which is really cool. I mean, I'm intrigued by you running these your own conferences because conference organization always seemed to me like a bit of a thankless job. Yeah. Like you have a million obnoxious details you have to take care of. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just walked into it completely oblivious to any of that kind of stuff. 
Um, and I would most definitely say it's not thankless. I'd say thanks are something that I probably have inordinate amounts of because I didn't, I haven't made any money off conference organizing yet. Um, and particularly not off FunConf. FunConf is a really interesting case in, in how not to make money, but how to get, how to get a lot of thanks. <laughs> um, so I, maybe it is different for me because from the very, very outside, FunConf was always going to be that little bit different. Like the, even if you just look at the budgets each year, versus the the number of attendees the first year there were 70 attendees and the budget was in and around 40k um the second year there were 80 attendees but the budget i think went up to about 65k this is euros um and then, so i think then the third year we added an extra 30 people so it went up to 110 people 110 people but the budget went up to 110,000 wow so we didn't purport we didn't add we added costs way disproportionately to the number of attendees mm. so we probably could have eked out a profit if we'd wanted to but um by the by the time the third time came around we were booking private trains for the entire conference and booking helicopters to fly everybody to the island that the the, the third conference was hosted on so it <laughs> it was really about like doing amazing things rather than kind of teaching people stuff. <laughs> so uh, the, I, I guess we designed it in a way where we kind of put ourselves as part of the experience of it. So it really was very gratifying and we connected so personally with everybody who came. So definitely not thankless, but uh, definitely uh, penniless after the experience. But, but rich in experience absolutely yeah and it's often gratifying to hear how the influence of funconf spread across the world um the there's a chap that i got to meet through another chap uh last week so uh, one of the guys who was kind of he was vocally inspired by funconf is a, a chap called adam brault um he's in the pacific northwest as well strangely um in uh, eastern washington and he runs real time conf which is coming up and he's kind of taken on that banner of trying to outdo himself every year last year i think he had like a marching band at his conference and he had a children's choir sing before the final keynote and i think just things to to, to hear about other people trying to make events special for the attendees is is really gratifying and and um adam has been open in in his praise of of what he learned at funconf kind of was that your main thrust behind funconf was trying to create a unique experience for people so the 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 conversation that i had with Eamon originally um it sort of centered around two things it was one was my frustration at feeling very lost when i went to conferences um i'm quite introverted um and i would always show up and i I wouldn't know what to do and everything just felt a little bit stiff and a little bit kind of inaccessible to me. I mean, I broke through that and I met people and I, I, got, a lot of, I got a lot out of the conferences that I was going. But I think the, the really particular moment for me was, I think, at like, I think it was either RailsConf in Berlin or possibly one of the US-based ones. And I found on the last day, it just ended. Nothing happened. It was, it was just, okay, the conference is over now. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I sort of had to make my own way in the world. And I mean, that's totally okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man and I can, I can meet people. And I could organize things on Twitter. But it just sort of felt a little bit hollow to me. So I, I, I sort of said to Eamon, 
I don't want to do just another conference in a hotel with cloth with with like cloth backed seats that doesn't peter out. Um, and so that was one one strand of it. And the second strand was how we had set up a co working space in Dublin, and by doing that, we attracted people to come and work with us. Um, even if it was just for a day. And we met some really interesting people, people like Jeffrey Grossenbach, Sean Bonner, Jan Leonard, who are kind of guys who are sort of central community figures in their own kind of small ways, but yet they're not so celebrity that they wouldn't come and work with us for a day. And consistently, when people like that would come to the office, we would take them out and go drinking with them in Dublin. And we'd just go for a few pints. And whether they drank or not, it didn't matter. They'd come along and they'd join us and we'd listen to some traditional Irish music. And we'd generally just, like, as we call it, have the crack. We'd have the crack together and it would just be us out having a great time. And it was me and Amo, and as 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 in all of our kind of PR communication for FunConf, it was never Eamon. His name is Eamon, but he's known in Dublin as Amo because that's generally what, what we call him. And so it was Paul and Amo bringing mm-hmm. you out for a good time in Dublin. So the 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 FunConf kind of sub theme that we never actually publicized, but it was Paul and Amo invite you to FunConf, and then in the back of our minds we were thinking this is Paul and Amo Conf. So we wanted to see if we could do a conference that was like just going out having the crack with Paul and Amo. Um, so it was really really about building relationships and doing fun things together, um, and we'd always pitched it like the FunConf came about when we were chatting to people at JazzConf, and we said we we want to organize a fun conference in Ireland. Um, and Scott Chacon of GitHub, he his, the line that just echoes in my head is, "I'd love to go to a fun conference in Ireland," and like and funconf.com was born. So yeah, it was it, it's all about kind of relationships and experience and kind of a, part of it was just like convincing people to come to Ireland because why would anybody come to Ireland? <laughs> But uh, that didn't turn out to be the hardest thing. So uh, you are running more conferences. No, FunConf was a trilogy. So if if you if you saw some of the photos, the second year round we were doing crazy stuff like hiring a, a DeLorean that people could have their photo taken in, and then of course one DeLorean wasn't enough, so there were three DeLoreans in the last one. So this kind of back to the future right, nerdy strand came in, and we said, listen. It's just too much hassle. We can't do this anymore. Not so much hassle, but it like it it took a lot of time and energy. And it, we made a conscious decision that we weren't going to make any money out of FunConf. But then we weren't making any money out of FunConf. So, um, so we decided to call it a trilogy, and it was a really, really good decision. Um, it made the extra, the last one that extra bit special, and we were able to just celebrate ending it so well. So that was really, really fantastic. And then. Um, I had noticed during FunConf 2, um, two of the speakers that we had, Michael Lopp, who goes by Rands in Repose on, on the internet, um, he had become a, a really good friend. Um, and then Horace Dediu, who goes by Asimco, he had been really inspired by FunConf, and that kind of inspired him to go off and set up his own conferences and events um, around the world. So I sort of had a very strong connection with Michael and with uh, Horace, and I said, geez, th- these guys are sort of wasted on FunConf. Like, because we'd only given people really short slots. And the, these guys these are guys who, want, who like giving really technical, like really, really good material-based talks. Um, and FunConf was more kind of tell us the story of your life. These were the more kind of things we were looking for at FunConf. Um, both Michael and Horace gave great talks at FunConf. But I was just thinking, geez, these guys are like really, really good people. Um, I wonder if I could kind of... And, 
leverage the fact that I kind of know these guys um, to to put on a really world class Apple conference in Europe. Um, so that was sort of where the idea came from. So um, I had been doing some work with a, a guy called Dermot Daly in Dublin, who is really kind of central in the Apple community here. And I was like, "Hey, you want to do this conference?" He was like, "Yeah, brilliant." Um, and I just—it was just the idea about the conference was to take what we'd learned at FunConf about building an experience and really putting the people first and foremost, um, but to kind of do a more traditional conference, like to bring in more of that kind of traditional, traditional talks or traditional whatever. When I say it out loud, it sort of feel embarrassed because I don't want anything that I do to be traditional or ordinary or whatever. But the more it was more conferency and less crazy, um, but with some with some elements of what we'd learned at FunConf. And then uh, I've, I've talked about this with the mm. chaps who organize it, but I had seen that Singleton had been really successful. And Singleton, the way that Singleton worked was it did, on a Friday night it had a keynote and then a, a Saturday session and then a Sunday sort of chill out. And they did things like a banquet and a cocktail hour. And that was just like, man, that's totally my style. So I did want to directly rip them off. But I didn't feel like it was ripping off because FunCon was also the Friday night session and the Saturday session and the Sunday session. So I kind of felt like it was a bit of give and take. Um, and I've laughed about this with the organizers of Singleton. But Singleton did have a little C with a little French circum, whatever it is, or a sedilla. Um, and I was like, man, I, I, I know like the coolest name for an Apple conference with an accent in the name. And that was where Ool came from because it, it's it's an Irish word that means apple. So... That's where Ool came from. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit of kind of great artists steal um, when it came to building Ool, but I felt like a lot of it was stealing from myself and stealing from the best. So there you go. Do you miss running a conf? Do you miss the whimsy of FunConf? Oh, I seriously do. Yeah, it's uh, Ool is is a completely different beast. We up the production standards to the point where it sort of feels like we can't go back. We had a giant 20 foot by 14 foot super mega high definition screen with twin displays and a giant audio stack. Whereas at FunConf, like we were literally handing around crappy microphones and just throwing stuff together. So uh, I definitely miss the sort of the ad hocness of FunConf. You mentioned the word just in time when you were in- introing me there, but uh, we joked about FunConf that FunConf was all about just in time planning. Nobody got an agenda. Nobody got a schedule. Nobody even knew where they were going to be an hour from now at FunConf. And mm-hmm. a lot of the time that meant that we could change the schedule as we went. And there were certain there were certain things that we did change during the day. Um, aside from the fact that with FunConf, you could sit down and say, do you think we could do a conference in a castle? And that was an okay thing. And not only was it okay, we actually went ahead and did it. So I definitely miss having that scope because Ool definitely limits it. But then it makes Ool a little bit easier to organize in a way because you're a little bit more constrained. But I definitely do want to... Uh, I do want to do what fun, the next FunConf, but I don't know what it's going to be. And whether it's, whether it's a bigger, crazier thing or whether it's a simpler thing that just is a different type of experience. I don't know, but I'd say it'll be at least a year before I get there. How can we keep our tabs on you to make sure we hear about this conference if it happens? Um, I, following me on Twitter is always the best way to, to do that. Paul C.A. on Twitter. If I, you, I were to go off and organize my own conference, what, what are the most important things I should think about? So I was thinking about this today because um, 
Adam, who I mentioned earlier, he was saying, oh, you should write a book on organizing a great conference. And it's like, I don't know anything about organizing conferences. <laughs> All I know how to organize is my own conferences. Mm. So, um, but then by, through using Tito, I have sort of started to get a lot of insight into the different types of events that there are. Um, so the, the first thing to to decide, I think, and this was the first decision that, that I made sort of on behalf of us and I really, really pushed hard for, was the kind of conference that it was going to be and what the what the principles were, were going to be. And FunConf, it was always going to be, I want this to be like nothing else you ever went to, right? It was like, it, it this event has to be completely different. Um, and and that was the that was the principle behind it. So it was sort of like, the problem wasn't how do we make a 40% profit margin here, or how do we get sponsors, or how do we get attendees? It's like, how do we make something that people are never going to forget for the rest of their life? Um, and so then money became just a tool to get there and making a profit wasn't a priority and, and that brings its own problems. But that was what FunConf was. Um, UL is much more business focused. It's how can we create a really, really classy, repeatable event that can become a brand and we can continue to run for years and years. Um, so that's a different motivation as well. Um, so really the first step to me is defining what you need. Um, to get out of it or what you want to get out of it. Um, it's like what the soul of the conference is. Exactly, because then that helps to guide everything. Um, the second thing that we did then was exactly what uh, what I told you earlier. FunConf was Paul and AmoConf. What was Ool? Ool did have one, but I've almost forgotten it now. <laughs> Ool has become sort of its own, its own beast. Um, but sort of a tagline to, uh, to the conference. I organized another conference that I'm hopefully going to grow next year. Um, called Brio and the Brio I feel like we got the marketing and we got the tagline completely wrong um, well we got I got the marketing wrong so the, it was Brio uh, a conference about the future of entrepreneurship I think it was or the future of being an entrepreneur um, and apparently that word entrepreneur just scares people away or they don't like it I don't know but the idea of the conference it was in, in the back of our minds it was always do the right thing conf right so and we we wanted to imply that the future of being an entrepreneur is where people are are able to take more control over themselves and people who create are going to take more control over what they're doing. Um, and it turned out that throwing the word entrepreneur in there really kind of changed the message for people or didn't clarify the message. So my current new tagline for Brio will be like doing business good. But it's a conference about business, but it's about doing business in such a way that it doesn't exploit people or it tries to get the good out of people. I don't know. Anyway, so that was the next thing that we did for FunConf. And I'm ashamed I can't remember what it was for Ool. Ool is probably just an awesome conference. <laughs> um, but it, the the point is it's something that is not marketing that is a sort of a tagline to go by in your head so that anytime you make a decision, it's like, does that fit in with Paul and AmoConf or does that fit in with Do the Right Thing Conf? Um, so those those are the first two things that, that I do that really help. Um, and then everything else is logistics. <laughs> so you need a venue, you need a date, um, and then you need to figure out what you're going to fill your time with because um, there's no rules. I actually have a, a GitHub repo. Um, it's called PaulConf. So GitHub, PaulCA, PaulConf. Um, and it just has a checklist of all the shit that you might want to put in there. Um, so it's everything from choosing a venue to choosing something that might be a little bit off the wall, getting catering, deciding whether you're going to offer catering, because those first three 
or so kind of decisions about what's the spirit of the conference, what's your tagline, uh, what's it about. Um, they will they can kind of help you. Do you want to make a profit or not? They can help you make all of these decisions. And I've decided that it's not right or wrong to offer catering at an event, or it's not right or wrong to provide an experience. It's not right or wrong even to have talks or not. It's just different, and there's there's really kind of space for all of these conferences. Do you see um, common mistakes that people make when you attend other conferences that you kind of go, hmm? Again, I don't really look at it as mistakes. I, I look at it as differences. But the one, the, the, the one that really gets me um, every single time, and I just can't believe it still exists, is the uh, name badges with the name only on one side. It's like, man, it's, it's 2013. You need to get over this. Double-sided name badges. Um, I was at NodeConf recently, and they did just did away with, no, with name badges altogether. Um, and that worked really well. So um, the, ask the question, do you even need name badges? And the answer may not always be right. But name badges is a particular thing that we've focused very hard on. Um, as it happens for the past kind of three conferences of organizers, our name badges have all been completely eco-friendly by virtue of the fact that they were all handmade and personally individualized. So um, I, I've sort of, that's become a thing as well where, just by accident, I turned in. I it, I turned out that all our conferences had eco-friendly um, name badges, and now I sort of kind of I don't like it when I get a little piece of plastic that I know is just gonna gather dust somewhere. Apart from name badges, um, I don't think that I would like to to call out any particular mistakes that I I see. Um, but things that I feel that we got really right at Ool, for example, was things like having a presenter display that was really heads up um giving the uh, speakers time to rehearse the day before having kind of having kind of a, a console that the speakers could uh, install their slides on and check on the computer that was being used for the display uh, making sure to tell the speakers what the resolution and display size of the projector was going to be ahead of time um these were kind of things that I was really happy with the another thing was at the end of Go ahead. I can tell you as a speaker that that, that stuff is awesome. That helps right, a lot. Right, right, right. At the end of each session, rather than me running up and awkwardly saying, okay, we're going to take a five-minute break now, which always felt wrong to me, we just displayed a little note to say, the next session will be at 2.30, or the next session will be at 4.30, and we brought the music up. So it really took away that sort of post-session awkwardness, and it sort of encouraged people to, to start conversing again, and I'm not, I was really proud of that, just kind of fill in the gaps. Um... So just lots of little things like that. Just uh, Awkwardness, I think, is one of those weird things that separates a really, really uh, fantastically produced conference from just something you know somebody's throwing together in their spare time. And it's weird because I don't want to use the word professional to distinguish a conference that is awkward from one that is not awkward. Awkwardness is not something I think you need to be professional. It's just a couple of little tricks that you can use to, to really unawkwardify something. Um but it's really hard to know that up front, particularly if you're if you're first time. Sort of, you sort of have to feel how awkward the awkwardness is to be able to know to fix it. Um, but it feels great. So um, the other thing for me then is is speaker selection, and it's something that I don't I don't I don't know how to do um, in any other way than I've done. And what we did with FunConfinool was simply invite speakers that we knew would probably be good. Um, but it's a hard thing, so I don't really want to get in too much to to speaker selection. But that's something that can be a little bit of a pitfall. Um, and a lot of the worst conference ex- experiences that I've had 
have been where a speaker was inappropriate somehow and whatever range of of that meaning of the word could be it's it's funny i have a, a bunch of these questions here and, and most of the questions are about tito but we touched on conference organizing and then we're off to the races oh no that's perfect i mean i i think of all the things i've done to date i think and what's very strange is that like people mostly ask me about funconf and tito these days but i genuinely think that ul is the 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 best production that I've ever kind of crafted um, along with, with Dermot. It's the thing I'm certainly most proud of. So mm. Yeah, it, it was just obvious to me that we had hit, hit your passion. Right. Because um, suddenly I looked at the clock, I was like, wow, it's been half an hour. It's Yeah, I was like, okay, what are we going to do for the next 20 minutes? Oh! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so let's actually, let's actually loop back to Tito for just a minute. Um, are you, like, CEO of this company? Are you running this show? <laughs> What's the CEO? I don't know. Um, yeah. I, the guy that's writing the code if it's a software product, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I I reluctantly accept accept any label, and I'm trying to push out the day that this thing is a, actually a real thing that requires something as 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 crazy as a CEO. So, um, mm-hmm. I at the moment I'm doing everything. So. I mean, I would fit the classic startup founder mold to a T other than that I'm mm-hmm. not seeking investment um, um, and haven't kind of sig- sought investment. And I, I say that, I mean, I would consider it and I've spoken to potential investors and I've spoken to people who are potentially interesting in investing. Um, but I don't, I'm, I don't, I subscribe to the idea that if you're building software um, and you can't get it off the ground, Re- to a reasonable degree without investment well then maybe it's the wrong thing or whatever but so we'll see how we got how that goes but yeah so i write tons and tons of code but i'm also involved in writing all the marketing copy i try and sweat the details with the design guys for every bit of interface um so i'm kind of all over the product as much as i can be how are you enjoying that um it, it i mean you hear people talking about a roller coaster and that's what it feels like to me. It's just like, I'm constantly obsessed with it to the point where I need to check myself sometimes. Um, I just realized tonight that, uh, like my evenings, I, so I was setting up some this equipment to do the podcast and I'm like, man, it'd be great to have some time to record some music sometime. And I'm like, where is all my time? So I, it's just consuming me. And then emotionally it's like you wake up and, like you've got one new sign up and it's like the best day ever and then the next day you've, you have no sign ups and it's the shittest day ever so <laughs> it's uh it's it's definitely not sustainable um so something's gonna give but right now i don't think that there's anything i'd rather be doing mm, that's beautiful <laughs> it's uh it's terrifying and wonderful all at once so where would if if everything goes right, where would you like to be five years from now? What would you be uh, doing? Right. So, the I mean the the two goals, in fact, the single goal is is building sustainable businesses at this point. Um, FunConf was just the most wonderful inauguration into the world of kind of a successfully designed product. Like we sweated every single day we had arguments we fought and out of every single one of those arguments some beautiful decision that then became a wonderful story came out of it um and funconf is strange because had we wanted to to 
make it into a business, running FunCon 4 or 5 or 6 in the vein of what they did and pulling a profit or kind of making the profit margin more, more efficient or bringing in sponsors. and I mean, this is how you make money in the conference game, I think, is where you have more sponsors who are inter- interested in giving you more money so that you can basically fund the thing on sponsorship and make a profit on ticket sales or you can fund the thing on ticket sales and make a profit on sponsorship. But I think that that would have been completely against the spirit of FunConf, but it was a really, really good mm-hmm. kind of exercise in learning how to build a product that people really loved. Um, so Ool made a profit this year, which was great. So we, we would like to capitalize on that a little bit. Um, and Tito is still a little bit of a ways off being sustainable, but it's approaching it and it's getting getting better week over week. So I think in five years, if I'm not involved in or in kind of co-founding one or two or three other sustainable businesses or these kind of different products are not part of one business that's sustainable. Um, I'd, I'll either be doing something else or working for somebody else. I mean, that's the, that is the goal. The goal is to be running sustainable businesses. Um, and that's very much what I'm conscious of these days. So like Tito's now in the stage where it's essentially going to be a marketing problem for a while as well as a product problem. There's lots of other problems that we want to solve, but people are buying it now. It's out, it's out in the open. Ool is established. Uh, Brio is even established. So the conferences are, are kind of starting to feel like they're going to make some um, profits rather than suck up everything. Um, so I'd, I'd like to be sitting on some reasonably successful um, sustainable businesses and kind of exercising my creativity in, in those and, and in other ways. Hmm. Well, it seems like you got the passion for it. So I have a hunch you'll get there. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Well, uh, so if people wanted to get in touch with you, what's a good way to do that? You mentioned Twitter already? Yeah, Twitter is, is fantastic, or you can get me on uh, on email. I have like 10 zillion email accounts, but they all go into the same inbox. So paulatito.io is, is perfect to get me. Um, and I was listening to uh, Patrick McKenzie's cast. I'm very inspired by his open inbox um, policy. And I mean, I don't openly say on the internet that I do, but... Um, the idea that anybody would have any hesitation to contact me about anything at all is crazy to me. So I would let, let it be known that I welcome all and any and even the tiniest of questions. Fantastic. Uh, well, I think that wraps things up. Thanks very much, Paul, for coming by and chatting. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash podcasts slash 61. Today's podcast was recorded and edited by Mike Manor and produced by Chad Pytel. Thanks for listening. Thank you.